0: If you went on a road
1: trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac, or drop a crispy fry between the car seats, or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really
0: long drive. At
1: participating McDonald's.
0: Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast, brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. Hello and welcome to the latest episode in Bike Radar's Tech Talk, where we try and get nice and geeky about various aspects of mountain and road bike technology. I'm Tom Marvin, and I'm here with Seb Stott, and today we're gonna talk about drivetrains. We're gonna focus on mountain bike drivetrains, but we'll touch on road ones as well, and we kinda wanna discuss what the deal is with derailleurs, because they're sort of vulnerable little things that hang by your rear wheel, So the rear derailleur has been around for a very long time uh, on pretty much any geared bike, generally speaking. So why would we want to go and change that? Um, Well, there's quite a few reasons,
1: actually, and uh, a lot of them are particularly pertinent to mountain bikes. So a derailleur is incredibly vulnerable to um, tree stumps, rocks, hitting it and ripping it off, and if not ripping enough, just bending it. Just a small amount of bend in a derailleur, as we all know, can massively upset the shifting, and and you'll never get that back, no matter what you do with the adjustments, the cable tension. A small knock can make a derailleur not function properly. Um, And also, derailleurs are quite expensive, like uh, a high-end, uh, mountain bike derailleur nowadays will cost you maybe 300 pounds uh, strams latest axis drivetrain which is uh, wireless and electronic it'll cost you uh, almost 700 quid just for a derailleur and you know they're incredibly vulnerable as we said so uh, that's really not ideal particularly for mountain biking but to a certain extent for road cycling as well you know especially if you're prone to crashing or, or riding through uh, gravel bikes gravel through, bikes yeah, M- particularly presence. coming coming along and you know if there's sticks tree stumps rocks etc they can they're incredibly vulnerable to damage um, another thing is that um, because derailleurs have all the gears on the hub so the cassette of 10 11 12 gears on the hub that pushes the spokes inboard mm. on the drive side so that means that the wheel has to be quite quite heavily dished and to some extent we've remedied that with with boost hubs which push uh that dish back out again but it's still not ideal because
0: uh the the wheel is asymmetrical so it was saying that the the fl- the hub flange is where the base of the spokes yeah. sort of leave the hub um it's not a uh, like an equilateral triangle They're sort of it's off centered with more vertical spokes on the drive side and less vertical on the non drive Exactly. And that means you have
1: less lateral uh, stiffness in the wheel, which means you have to build it with thicker spokes, higher spoke tension, more spokes, etc. to get to get the strength in the wheel. Um, so so this is why people are uh, some people are suggesting that gearboxes or some kind of <clears throat> some kind of um, frame mounted gears are a better solution because you can have them uh out of the way, Mm -hmm. less vulnerable to damage. Uh, You can have the uh, real estate on the rear hub is freed up because you only need one sprocket on the rear hub, which means that the spoke angle can be more even. So you can have a stronger wheel. You could also have a narrower back end. So the Mm -hmm. total width of the axle could be narrower so that it will fit slightly better. There's slightly more clearance for your your heels Mm -hmm. when you're pedaling, but also, you know, if you're, going through really tight sections of rocks and and tree stumps and what have you. Um, And another potential advantage is to do with unsprung mass. So you can move a lot of that mass from the rear wheel uh, to the frame. And reducing the weight of the rear wheel is important because of something called unsprung mass or unsprung inertia. Basically, when when your wheel hits a bump, you want the suspension to move so that the wheel moves up and out of the way of the bunk as quickly as possible. And the more mass there is, the more weight there is on the wheel, the more reluctant it is to accelerate out of the way. Uh, That's what inertia is. So if you can move that weight off the wheel and onto the frame, then the frame will be much more stable and uh, the bumps will affect the bike much less. So it will lose less speed on each bump if there's less mass on the rear wheel. So that's another advantage of having uh, kind of frame-mounted gears mm-hmm. of some kind, be that a gearbox or some kind of derailleur in a box, which is what um, Honda, good, Honda yeah. used in their World Cup downhill bike um, back in the mid-2000s. It basically had a derailleur with a cassette inside a little box Mm -hmm. on the mainframe which meant that the back end was narrower the rear wheel was narrower, which the World Cup riders apparently quite appreciated because it could fit through narrow gaps Mm -hmm. Um, the rear wheel was stronger it also meant that the suspension worked better because the rear wheel was lighter and the frame was heavier yeah Um, yeah so that so that has had some some pretty major advantages which is perhaps why Honda um, pioneered that and then sort of left the sport but i think the reason that there are there are also reasons why that's not taken
0: off mm. i guess um, sorry the, another advantage of having those gearboxings is, is the maintenance aspect so yes the roll half for example is it's like a the whole gear mechanism is just in a bath of oil yeah which keeps it you know incredibly reliable
1: yes and you used one of those for quite a long time didn't you i had one for
0: four years while i was at university and i rode all the time through uni you know yeah. Every weekend, a couple of times during the week. And I think in those four years, I changed cables once and I changed the chain once. And that was my entire cost for drivetrain for four yeah. years. Never bashed a derailleur into a rock or. No, I had no issues. I did every two years, I'd do an oil change. Yeah. Yeah. Which is. So, so that,
1: uh, a gear hub has some of these advantages mm. in that it's lower maintenance, you have a straighter chain line, yeah. you have. Um, uh, a, a better spoke angle potentially on the wheels mm. if the wheel is designed around that hub. Uh, but also, it doesn't have all of the advantages because that weight of the gears is still on the wheel. Yeah. So if it was a full suspension bike... That would be pretty poor. You'd still have a heavy hub. And in fact, a gear hub is probably going to be heavier than mm. a cassette and a derailleur. Um, so that that is kind of a halfway house, yeah. I think. But what a lot of people are pushing for nowadays with mountain bike drivetrains is having, a deri- uh, having some sort of gearbox on the frame. Such and as a pinion? Just a, such as a pinion or Effie Gear gearbox. Um, pinion being probably the most common one, which we've both ridden. Mm-hmm. Have you ridden any other systems? Uh,
0: pinion, Rollhoff. I don't know if I, not extensively, not enough to really have remembered them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I rode that, you know Trivative did that funny crank? Um, where it's like a two-speed crank with a yes. regular drivetrain. Hustle felt? Oh, f- no, triplett Hustle felt is there. Um, their regular thing, isn't it? I know the one you mean, but I can't think of the name
1: of the it. The name of it escapes. But was it, it Sh- Hammerschmidt? Hammerschmidt. And it that was, that was it was bought by SRAM, but it was originally their An own individual thing. thing. Yeah. So I, shall I we should we
0: go back and look knowledge? No, I think we can. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll keep in the fact that we didn't know. <laughs> That's
1: fine. I look more knowledgeable than you, because
0: I remember You remembered it. Yeah. We'll go with that. Hammerschmidt, yeah. Actually,
1: no, Tom, it was Hammerschmidt. Uh, So Hammerschmidt had a two-speed crank. Yeah. Uh, So it's not exactly a gearbox if it's just two gears. No, no, no. It was a planetary
0: system of some sort within the crank BB area thing, wasn't it? Yeah. So
1: you basically had a granny ring, but with an overdrive so that it would gear up that granny ring so that you had two speeds in...
0: Yeah, your crank. to save having front mech. Yes, because
1: this was back in the days of front derailleurs. So. Yeah,
0: and that was a heavy duty product designed for sort of gravity inspired bikes. Yeah. And it weighed a lot. Yes, so not
1: only was it heavy, but it also had, as I understand, quite a lot of drag. I mean, I didn't ride it, mm-hmm. but um, as I understood in the sort of smaller gear, you basically had a direct drive to the chain ring, so you had no extra friction. But when you had the overdrive system engaged, you know, you had gears spinning, intermeshing gears, which create created friction, more yeah. friction. And I think that's a problem that's endemic to gearboxes is that because they work by having gears which um, counter-rotate and intermesh, mm-hmm. there's there's often or always friction in, involved with that. Uh, uh, so you have more drag. And I guess Hammerschmidt kind of got around it because when you're going uphill... You had a direct drive, so you didn't have the friction. You only had the friction when you're going downhill, but conventional gearboxes, which have uh, much
0: more gears, maybe 10 gears. 14 on a off, 14 on a off. In opinion, I think, yeah.
1: Yeah, so they have you know, this, this, this other problem, as well as weight, because they are heavier yeah. than a traditional uh, derailleur and cassette setup. But I think for us, that's not the main problem uh probably the primary problem is is drag i think that's the main problem that gearbox manufacturers have got to overcome mm. because an external drivetrain with a chain and cassette is very low friction uh because the the chain and cassette are rotating in the same direction and the chain only has to articulate through a few degrees uh whereas with the intermeshing gears there's a lot of 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 rubbing against each other all
0: well, the teeth yeah
1: yeah so um i think that's a big problem and it's something that you notice isn't it when you drive when
0: you ride a gearbox definitely yeah it's kind of especially when it's in those overdrive gears it's it really feels like a kind of like riding through trickle trickle in some ways they they get better with time the roll half definitely improved but it was it's it never felt as Efficient as pleasant to ride as a regular derailleur system.
1: Yeah, and I don't think that that feeling can be a- attributed to the extra weight. No, because it's it's a small percentage increase in the total weight of the bike and rider. Mm. You know, you may be adding at most a kilogram, yeah. probably less, uh, to the whole system. As a percentage, that's quite small, but the percentage increase in drag is quite significant. So you have a certain percent. Less power going to the rear wheel for every for every watt you generate at the crank and and that's really to me is one of the major problems that they will
0: need to address I think for me the thing which made me get rid of my roller in the end was there was you know it, the the drag is it's noticeable um, how much genuine impact on your speed it has is is debatable but it is a psychological sort of aspect of knowing that the drivetrain just felt crap and you know if i spent a lot of time riding that bike in the alps doing big old climbs out there it was just horrible because you you could you'd be riding along someone and you know they're putting less effort in and psychologically that i felt i found that really like really turned me off the whole thing
1: yeah yeah and um and there's another problem that we haven't discussed yet which is shifting Mm -hmm. so uh, a derailleur can shift under power Ish, yeah. Uh, to assert, well, yeah, a rear derailleur can, can shift under a fair bit of, yeah. of, of rider torque uh, because the top of the chain is under tension, but the bottom of the chain where the derailleur is is pretty much slack. It's, it's just it's under easy.
0: the tension of the neck.
1: Yes, exactly. Um, which means that you can shift under quite a lot of power, so you can sprint and you can sh- change gears without um, having to lay off the power. Whereas with a gearbox... What I found really frustrating was having to stop pedaling to shift or at least soft Soft pedal. pedal, You had to really soft pedal with that pinion system Mm. and then shift with the with the twist grip and then start pedaling again, which is fine if you're winching up a consistent climb. I mean, you've got the weight and the drag, but I didn't mind that too much. But it's when you're on the kind of trails we have around here, which which involve quite a lot of pedaling to accelerate to get up to speed, mm-hmm. because they're not mega steep, a lot of the stuff that we ride. So you'd be accelerating towards a jump that you'd normally clear easily, and with the combined effect of the drag and the having to soft pedal to change gear and then start pedaling again, I was just unable to clear jumps or hit corners with any speed that normally I would be, have absolutely no problem it with. it takes you
0: longer to get up to speed.
1: Yes, exactly, because it's more like in a car. You've got to accelerate, stop accelerating, change gear, and then start accelerating again, whereas with a derailleur you can accelerate continuously. Mm-hmm. And you have a few percent more power reaching the rear wheel as well, because there's less drag and there's less weight. So the combined effect is that the bike just does not accelerate anywhere near as nicely under
0: power. I mean, the the proponents of gearbox bikes will say that the flip side of that is obviously you can change when you're not pedaling. Yes. You know, like, I. I've definitely benefited from. You can be, you know, riding down something steep and then come around the corner and there's a real steep climb. And you can drop all your gears pretty much within the twist of a of your wrist and in a low gear straight away, which is always quite nice instead of, yeah. like, cranking through a load of gears to drop a load. Or, you know, from, okay, if you're talking about urban bikes, it's great being at a traffic light. You yeah. can just shift a load of gears from, you know, a cruisy one to a starting, you know, to an accelerating one. So... Yeah, there's pros and cons, and it definitely is something you have to get used to. Mm.
1: But I still think I would rather, much rather, have the ability to shift continuously under power Mm. than the ability to shift lots of gears without pedaling.
0: And I think that's probably one of the big reasons why gearboxes haven't taken off. Yes, I think the drag is probably one of the major reasons. The, um, The shifting is the other. Shifting is the other. And it's worth pointing out that the latest generation of... Um, drive trains from both Shimano and SRAM I've um, ma- definitely improved in terms of their shifting as well under power, both up and down the cassette.
1: Yeah, it's the classic problem for a kind of a new technology is that there's been massive investment in the existing technology. Um, so it's the same for, for example, any disruptive technology like uh, electric cars or renewable energy. It's like you're competing against something which has had Millions of dollars and hundreds of years of R and D, and and mountain bike drivetrains have got significantly better in recent years. Mm. Like we now have wide range cassettes with no front derailleur, we have narrow wide um, chain rings, which means that you don't drop chains nearly as often. There's clutch derailleurs, which you know take some of the vibration out of the chain, so it slaps slaps around less. You get less noise. You get. Almost no chain drops with a yeah. reasonably well set up, reasonably newish ish drive uh, drivetrain. You almost never drop a chain nowadays.
0: Got wireless electronics.
1: Got wireless it's electronics at the high end. Um, maybe that'll trickle down a bit more to, to lower
0: end. But even, you know, like still, Shimano have a couple of gear hubs available. You know, yeah. the Alphine, 8-speed and 11-speed, I think it is, you can get a DI2 Alphine. It's not like they haven't invested in it, but it's clearly, it's not something you hear about. I can't really remember, maybe in the past seven years I've been doing this, we've had two or three bikes for the mountain bikes that have come with an Alphine, mm. so it's, it's clearly not anything that's... It's not being neglected, is it? But it's, yeah, just, it's,
1: it's probably not having the same R&D as, as conventional for really probably is. those
0: reasons that we've, we've gone through.
1: Yes, because I, th- I think fundamentally that having lots of metal gears in a box ha- is, is almost, as far as I can see, is always going to have that friction problem. And it's always going to have the problem that you need to disengage one and reengage engage another. So you need to soft pedal to change gear. The one And it's, round almost, round... it's probably always going to be heavy as well because there's lots of, lots of cogs yeah. for each gear.
0: The, I, I rode a, a drivetrain recently on not on a mountain bike, but it was um, a continuously variable transmission. Oh yeah, um, it was on an e bike, uh, on a cargo e bike, and that shifted well under power. That, if you can call it shifting, because it's yeah <laughs> not distinct. It's uh, yeah. So it's, I guess
1: the, the it's continuous.
0: Yeah. So instead of having fourteen gears, the the gear was a single one, but with a range of yeah a range of, what would you call it, a range of gear within that?
1: Yeah, a percentage gearing, you know, the, the gearing ratio mm. changed continuously from yeah. within, within a certain
0: range. And again, it was it was grip shift, and you just sort of tuned it to what mm. cadence you wanted. So it was very much cadence-based rather than geared-based. Yeah. And it, it shifted reasonably well under power, up and down, had a good gear range. Yeah. Um, uh, it was hub-geared, but I'm pretty sure you can mount it into a frame as and, well. And can you change under power with that system yeah I mean it wasn't a bike I mean it wasn't an e-bike so there was still plenty of power going through the drivetrain But so I would set off from the lights in a low gear I guess and then as I was accelerating away I'd be just Just incrementally gradually winding winding up with the power of the motor in there and you can change
1: you can change without pedaling without pedaling as well so that kind of combines two advantages of of the two you can change under power and you can change without pedaling yeah but as I understand it, uh, and I'm not sure about this, this system in itself, but with, um, with cars, and I'm basing this on a YouTube video by a YouTuber called Engineering Explained, mm-hmm. who does lots of really technical analysis of like car engineering. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the disadvantage of continuous variable transmissions in cars has always been that there's more drag
0: yeah. than, than a gearbox. And it felt soupy on the bike. Soupy. Soupy. Like term? treacle, but like yeah.
1: soup. Engineering explained did describe it as soupy, definitely. They, they, had, an <laughs> they, they had an equation <laughs> that's it, that's for the soupiness it. of the drought. The soup index. The soup index, yeah. 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 yeah.
0: Um, um, but was know. it like a Scotch broth or was it more like a <laughs> Campbell's? <laughs> oh, it was like a, a cream of mushroom. A cream of mushroom, yeah, also not one. too one. viscous. Well, yeah. medium viscosity, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but, it, you know, it definitely has advantages. But th- I guess the point is... My point on that, and I guess what some might say about hub gears is that if you, I bet if you took a drelli system from the 1930s, 40s, 50s, whatever, yeah, I bet that felt pretty crap compared to what we've yeah. got now. But as we said, it's had the investment to get to a point where your XTR, your XX1 feels really good. Yeah.
1: Until you hit it off a tree.
0: Until you hit it off a tree. In which case it's... Or drag it through a load of mud. Yeah, you know. Yeah, because that's another thing. Even
1: if even if nothing goes wrong, you don't crash, you don't hit a rock. Mm. You know, just mud and dust will massively deteriorate yeah. the efficiency of your drivetrain. Or e- or even if it's perfect conditions, but you just don't lubricate it often enough, mm-hmm. and you need to lubricate your drivetrain quite often. Yeah, you know, it will. You it can will definitely suffer. feel
0: like uh, on a long ride oh, in yeah. the winter. Take lube with you. Yeah, but if, if your drivetrain starts squeaking.
1: You're massive. You're losing a lot of power there. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, there, there are potential. Uh, may, maybe the the CVT style idea will will take off a bit more, or, or maybe someone will re reinvent the Honda style idea that we talked about mm-hmm. earlier with the derailleur and in cassette a in a box. But the, the problem with that is that normally you have the whole length of the chainstay for the chain to to. Because the chain has to bend, doesn't it, from the chainring to the sprockets. Yes, so that's not ideal, but because the chainstay is quite
0: long, Mm. you can get quite a lot of lateral movement of the cassette without too much of a problem. And there are industry standards on the minimum chainstay length. You know, SRAM and Shimano will give that minimum length that the the bike has to adhere to for the drivetrain. Yeah, whereas with the Honda system, they
1: had to design a sort of splined pulley, I think, so that the chainring moved laterally
0: with the cassette sprocket that was in use. Now, I've seen there's a Shimano patent, I'm pretty sure it's a Shimano patent, that either Jack or Matthew pulled out of a chain ring that also did that to help with one-by-drive y- Yes,
1: yeah, so I think SRAM and Shimano both oh, have some sort of patent. We'll put a link to the article mm. uh, somewhere with this podcast. Um, but I think one of them worked by having a spline mm-hmm. so that the chainring moved laterally a little bit. And I think one of them worked by allowing the chainring to Waffle. twist yeah. with the chain, so that the chainring kind of pointed towards the gear you're in. Mm-hmm. So that slightly addresses the problem of 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 the chain line going squint. But if you wanted to package the derailleur in a box next to the crank like Honda did back in the day. That wouldn't be enough because the chain and cassette, chain ring and cassette are so close together, you have to have a kind of sliding mm-hmm. interface for, to make that work. And it, it seems to me that perhaps because of patent reasons, I'm not sure, but nobody has tried, yeah. as
0: far as I know, to resurrect that idea. but. I guess the thing with the, the Honda as well, I'm assuming it was probably a seven speed downhill system. Something like that, like yeah. 12, you know, it so was so not a
1: cassette. It was not a 500% cassette, no. it was a small cassette.
0: Um, The other thing um, that we haven't touched on, you know, if you're talking about sort of the future of where drivetrains might go, is obviously we've talked about it a lot on bike radars, is ceramic speed drivetrain. So at the moment, it's sort of concept only. They have now shown at Eurobike um, a couple of months ago now a working shifting system. Mm. um, And they did talk about how the next sort of phase, I believe, will be to fit it to a mountain bike so the yes and they've got a prototype for that as well which allows for the chain growth
1: so the increase in distance mm. between the bottom bracket and the rear axle which is a problem with full suspension, which suspens. happens when
0: the full suspension the rear yeah. suspension compresses so the way the ceramic speed drivetrain works from what i've sort of gleaned is that uh you have a plate that fixes to the rear hub um with a sort of instead of the different gears sort of varying in a how would you describe it from from the like outside to the, the f- inside in a cone it's a flat plate with um the teeth or the effective kind of sprocket going towards the chainring in a flat plane yeah and then the drivetrain is a um, it's a spline drive or a, a single rod drive. Yeah, it's a shaft with that's um, the word I'm to <laughs> a.: word "shaft," which intermeshes with the chain ring, if you can call it that. Yeah,
1: which um, a bit like a bevel gear, but yeah. not quite. So basically, you have a the chain ring in one plane, and then a shaft drive in an, at ninety degrees to that, and they intermesh with little ceramic bearings. Yeah. So again, like with the gearbox, you would normally have friction where those bevel gears would intermesh. But, but ceramic speeds,
0: are...
1: Yeah, those those uh those teeth have bearings as part of part of the uh, the intermeshing surface, so you can reduce mm. that friction dramatically.
0: And ceramic speed is you know the whole business is based around reducing drivetrain friction. friction. So they...
1: Yeah, in some ways that are perhaps more questionable or mm-hmm. more um shall we call them marginal gains. Yeah. Um but uh, according to them and according to Specialized, who they seem to have partnered with for now, uh, their system is not only lower friction than a conventional uh, drivetrain, it's also more aerodynamic mm-hmm. because you, it's more enclosed than a derailleur, which is external. Um, and they seem to have sorted out a way to make it shift as well. So the, the, the shaft rotates, but it can also grow and shrink. Move in and out, exactly, to, to move across that. Um, plane, like, yeah. plane—that plate of, of of different gears. Um, so, I mean, that that could be part of the—I mean, the it, future.
0: But st- whole development thing, you know, it might not work. But at it least, least yeah. someone's thinking about doing it.
1: Yes, and it's a whole new thing. That's not a gearbox and not a derailleur. Mm. It's a it's a new idea, or relatively a new idea to bicycles. But bikes will have to be designed around it. It won't mm. be retrofitable. So there will need to be some clear advantages uh, in order for bike companies to do that. And it does look like Specialized has invested quite a lot in this. Mm. So um, yeah, check out the link on on Bike Radar for um, for more information on that because it's, it's a really interesting system. But um, I think we can conclude in saying that gearboxes as we know it, they have a lot of fans, a lot yeah. of fanatical fans who tell us quite often that Gearboxes are the future and derailleurs suck. Mm. And derailleurs do kind of suck. They've definitely
0: got their downsides.
1: But but I think I think we can both agree. Well, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think gearboxes suck more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> derailleurs suck when they go wrong, but but gearboxes suck all the time. No, so no slow, time. so slow to shift, yeah. such a pain to kind of accelerate with and to live with.
0: I think we'd take some convincing that the gearbox is the future. Yes.
1: Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'd, I'd be very happy to be proven wrong. Yeah. If someone can make one that, um, I'm not bothered about the weight, but realistically to be able to sell, it would have to be lighter. Mm-hmm. Um, it will need to have less drag, com- comparable to a conventional drivetrain. Yeah, And ideally it would need to be able to shift under power. And the trigger shifter, not grip shift. Yeah, grip shift
0: is terrible as well, yeah. isn't it?
1: So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so um, design one of those Please. if you're listening yeah <laughs> and then we'll test it and we'll be very happy.:
0: So yeah, I think that probably is a fair point to leave drivetrains. Um, so thanks for listening to yeah the Radar Tech Talk podcast. Obviously we have plenty of podcasts going out, so subscribe via all the usual methods um, look out on the site for the relevant stories. Uh,
1: where can I listen to these podcasts
0: on Where can you you can listen to these podcasts on our site and on Spotify iTunes, any other sort of podcast provider. And uh, um, fortnightly ones, some of them will be appearing on YouTube as well, so you can watch them.
1: Yeah, so uh, that pretty much wraps it up, and uh, thank you for listening.
0: Thanks. you for listening to the bike radar podcast if you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling check out bikeradar.com